Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. We do a Heart for the House series every year because we believe that we need to be reminded as a church that this is God's plan for humanity, is his church, and that we need to grow a heart for his house. And he wants that for us. He is the greatest of all time. I didn't know what goat meant, but my husband, who's a sports enthusiast, is like, the greatest of all time. Okay, like Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. Okay, Jesus is the greatest of all time. That's what I know. Yes, better than anyone else on this planet is Jesus. And what's cool is that the greatest of all time is the head of us. He is the head of his body, which is the church, and we are the church. So we are part of the greatest of all time, which is so awesome. And obviously we can see that in this world we live in, that there's a very real enemy, that God has still given authority for a time on this planet and he's wreaking some havoc and causing division, but Jesus is still the one who gives us power to be able to overcome that enemy which he has defeated. So that is encouraging. We can have hope and joy in all circumstances because of what he has done. Uh, Just to give a little bit of vision and direction for this uh, series, I read this this week and it was so good. So I'm going to share it with you. We're going to work on getting a headset for me because I need hands, lots of hands. Okay, this is so good. Listen into this. This is from the writer of the Passion Translation. He says, Jesus is the head of the church and the fullness of God in human flesh. He gives his church extraordinary power to walk filled with the Holy Spirit, revealing the nature of God in all things. Jesus loves the church and cherishes everything about her. He is the one who brings Jews and non-Jews into one body. The church is God's new humanity, one new man. It is the new temple where God's glory dwells, and the church is the bride of Christ, the beloved partner who is destined to rule with him. Isn't that so good? That word just reminds us that God is here. I just want to pray over this moment. Like I said, this is a moment where God wants to speak to each one of us individually and corporately. So I'm just going to pray. God, I just believe that you are the one who has the message for us this morning. Holy Spirit, this is where your presence dwells. It is amongst your people. And these are your people, God. This is your family. And we just come before you with surrendered hearts, God, with ears that are open to hear, that eyes that want to see your truth, God. Reveal to us what you would specifically want to say to us in this season, in this moment. And God, we just receive that from you and we open ourselves to you this morning in your name. Amen. Amen. God is the one who's going to be able to transform us. 
because words are just words unless they are Holy Spirit inspired and then they can do something that words are, which are beyond words, what words can actually do. And you know, the church, it is Christ's body. Like I said, it is through his body is where he speaks and where he acts and in which he fills everything with his presence. That's what the Bible reminds us of. He leads us into love with one another in our differences. There is is a way. And today I'm going to be reading out of the Bible because I don't know about you guys, but I've been a bit desperate for some good news. Yes. And I was just like, oh God, you gave us good news. Hallelujah. I need that. And it is his good news that can, again, reveal to us something that can change us and, and allow us to see something beyond our own human eyes, what they can actually see. And the book I'm going to read from is actually Romans. And Romans was a book that actually was part of revealing a way of righteousness that actually led to the Protestant Reformation. It was actually one of the key uh, books of the Bible that caused this, these eyes to see something different than what was happening in the world currently. And as you saw, there's a bit of like in the intro, you know, church, there's a history. We have a history as a church, as followers of Jesus, and some of it's good, some of it's not good. Good, which is kind of like all of our lives, right? There's some good and the bad and the ugly, but there's been challenges for the church throughout history. And generally, a lot of our challenges lie in this issue of us humans who are just so human and we just want to be God. We just want to be in control. We want to do it our way. We want to say that what my way is, is the right way. And that I have the authority or power over someone else to say what is right for you because this is my right. And realizing that that has just caused animosity and division and segregation over the, the history of our church. So let's learn something from it. And it was actually Martin Luther King who realized that during his time, period, you know, late 1400s, early 1500s, he saw the Catholic church at the time, which was the Christian church. And there was a lot of power that was in the hands of humans. And the, the power being in the hands of these humans turned a little messy. It got a little bit like, oh, you know what? If you want your sins forgiven, you know what? I just need a small amount of money for that for that sin to be forgiven. Or there was like the Catholic priests, they were teaching out of the Latin Bible, so people couldn't even understand. And Martin Luther's like, we need to translate the Bible into, the, into a way that people can understand their own language so they can understand the word of God for themselves. And there was this separation between certain authorities and, and the other people. And, and we saw that that caused a division in the church and it caused an, an issue with people playing God and choosing themselves. And that has been since the creation of the world, this battle between this idolatry or elevation of self and faith in Jesus Christ to be the Lord of the church, the Lord of our lives, the Lord of our businesses, the Lord of our affection. He wants to be the Lord of your life. And that requires a submission to his will and his ways. 
there is that battle that is for our souls. And Luther insisted that, you know, the Bible was the only source of religious authority. Not himself, not the Pope. No man was given that dominion or lordship over another. No human was God. Jesus alone was the head of the church. And only in Christ can we come together in this diversity, in our differences, and say that God is our Lord so we can actually be unified through Christ? And that's what was happening in Romans. You know, it was written 80, 56-ish, but that was the same struggle was between uh, this, this flesh and the spirit and, and whether or not I, I was thinking of myself or if I should consider others first or how was this struggle going to be played out in the church where there was such division, such strong divisions between I know what's right and I know what is right for me, so it must be right for you. You know, even Thursday night was so great. And every first and third Thursday of the month, we're doing grow nights. And we're, we're learning of how to just strengthen and deepen our roots as they go down in the ways of Jesus. And the idea is to come together and be able to just learn some of these things, how to read the Bible, how to pray, and how to come together under one head and trust that God is working in and through not just my life, but your life and my other brother, brother and my other sister's life because we are part of this body. Now, Romans is, is written in two parts. The first, like, 11 chapters is very academic. It was sent from Paul to the churches in Rome to be, to be taught by, by the different um, leaders there. And it was great. It taught about the human condition, about salvation in Jesus and freedom in Christ and the history of God's people. And it's so, so powerful. I encourage you to read it. But the chapters 12 to 15 is more about the heart for the house. You know, having a heart for God's people is having a heart for his house. We are meant to align with his, the way he thinks about others. And if my God loves each one, then how am I to treat those who has, have differences, who are different than me? And we see that throughout Paul's writing, that there is no partiality with God. There is no preferences or favoritism. God loves each one of his kids. And we can't boast about our own, you know, merits of salvation, for it is by grace that we have been saved. This is not from ourselves. It is through faith. It is a gift of God. So no one can boast, can say, oh, I did it. No, salvation is the free gift of Jesus that we have and in Romans 14, which is where we're going to go, there is some tools for unity under his leadership. In that, actually, in the Passion Translation, I love the heading of this scripture. And you can get a Bible out if you have real pages. Like, you can't do it. No, it's not working. Sorry, I can't, I, not enough hands. But to hear it flipping, isn't that a good sound? Bible's flipping. Oh, so if you have a Bible, you can actually grab it or you can use your YouVersion app because we are going to go through Romans 14. I probably won't make it through the whole 
chapter because it's a lot, but it's power packed and so good. So I encourage you, whatever we miss, or to read it in its entirety when you get home today or tomorrow if you have the day off. You know what? Have a day, have a holiday into God's presence, into his word, and be encouraged because he wants us to be encouraged by the good news of his word. And the, the heading of this section in the Bible, like I was saying in the Passion Translation, is unity in the midst of diversity. I thought that was so good. It's like, oh, oh, this must be for us. Yes, yes, must be. And in the New Living Translation, it's the danger of criticism. Also a good thing to remember. So we're going to start in verse one and just jump in. It says, accept other believers oh, who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. That's in the Bible. I didn't say that. Can you see why the Holy Spirit led me here? There's none of this going on with you, but with me there is. So God needed me to hear it, so I thought maybe a couple might be with me. So accept other believers is the first part. That is to accept people impartially, no matter where they're at or what they believe or what they currently stand for or used to stand for or are standing for today and not tomorrow. It says to accept other believers. That is your brothers and sisters. That is the person beside you, the person in the back row, the front row, everybody in this room who says that Jesus is my Lord, my Father, my Savior. That's your family. So accept them, accept each other. Instead of saying, I know what's best for you, say, okay, God is working with you because I believe that there's faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not gonna idolize myself and my opinion or who I am and somehow make it in par with what God is saying to you. I don't know. And so, and it says, who are weak in the faith? So that's the lowest common denominator. Wherever you're at in your faith, I accept you. I accept you because you're my brother or sister in Christ. Don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Well, gee, I like being right and I want to tell you why I'm right. (laughs) Said everyone everywhere right now, I am right. (laughs) But it says, do not argue about these things. Okay, so why? Titus 3, Paul also says, do not get involved in foolish controversies, arguments and quarrels about the law, because these are unprofitable and useless. These are divisive. So does that mean you just never say anything? No, I don't think so. But do you, have you ever tried to argue with some, someone about something that it's like they have no context, belief in, idea about? Is it really going to help? No, it's like vitamin D, you need it daily, every day. You need it for immunity and energy, you should be taking it daily. Why aren't you taking it daily? You should be taking it. It's like, I don't wanna be around that person. It's not gonna get us any further to a place of agreement or of being able to do life together in our differences if we are just yelling in each other's faces and arguing about it. We have to sometimes graciously decide that, well, you know what? I believe something that is different than what you believe. It's unity versus uniformity. 
We aren't all meant to look and do the same thing like JD said, and I'm getting there, but it is a matter of conscience. You know, what is the Holy Spirit calling you to do right now in this season? But remember, what is the Holy Spirit? So you still have to be attuned to the Holy Spirit, not to the fear of maybe what you're hearing or listening to, a narrative that is actually destructive, but what is the Holy Spirit? leading you to in this season? And can we come together? It's this idea of open-handed versus closed-handed issues. You know, in the Bible, there's closed-handed issues. There are things that are indisputable, non-negotiable. Some examples are, Jesus is the only way to God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. I believe him. He is the only way. I cannot earn my salvation. No matter what I do, I can't earn my salvation or yours. That is Jesus and Jesus alone. That is a gift from him. Jesus came. Jesus died. He rose again. We serve a living king who's returning to this earth. And so we have a reason to celebrate and be thankful. So good. That is a reason to just celebrate. Man, we Thanksgiving... Oh, so good, so good. We also believe that the Bible is the authoritative, Holy Spirit-inspired, true word of God. It is absolute. That's what we believe. There's some practical things like do not murder. We are not meant to take life. That's not what we're supposed to do. That is God and God alone is the author of life and the giver of life. Salvation is for all people. All people. That's, it's all people, like everyone. Again, there's no partiality in God. Salvation is for each one. There is no restriction exemption program in heaven. No, everyone who says yes to Jesus is welcome here. That's true. It's a close-handed issue, open-handed issue is things that the church has split over for years. You know, when should we baptize? Should the infants be baptized? Should the adults be baptized? I don't know, let's split the church, guys. <laughs> the songs we sing, you know, the real spiritual ones or the fluffy ones that don't really matter. You know, it's like, what are we singing about? Or the translations of the Bible. Some people just get their shirt in a knot, just worrying about, oh, I don't know if that's, you know, the King James, but it's, it's a way of understanding God's word. I need a lot of translations. I need many so that I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, I'm kind of understanding where you're going with that. When I go to church, if I worship on a Sunday or a Saturday, you know what? You can worship God and make him, you, uh, uh, give him a holy day, a Sabbath day, whatever day you choose. Drinking alcohol, that's actually an open-handed issue. Getting drunk, that's a close-handed issue. <laughs> you know, you just have to know where you stand. Homeschool, public school, private school, Make a prayerful decision with your spouse. We will bless you in that. That's great. That is an open-handed issue. Political preferences are actually an open-handed issue. Yes. We can all be together because of the power and presence of the head of this church, which is Jesus Christ, to come together as his body. It is so, so powerful. So back to Romans, because Romans, they were in the same place of struggling with these open-handed issues. Like, how can we actually be together if we just don't agree? Well, these are some things he said. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience eat, will eat only vegetables. You know, I'm kind of sorry for them, but those who feel free 
to eat anything must not look down, I'm just kidding, on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Can you imagine he would accept the vegetarians and the vegans and the paleos and the ketotarians? He accepts us all and says, now you got to get around the same table. How are we going to do that? I don't know. Well, have you ever had, I know our family has, have you ever had a vegetarian over for Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah. And when you're planning and preparing, you're considering, okay, what what are they going to eat? Yeah, oh yeah, right, there's lots of things. Yeah, there's lots of things. And you don't have the vegetarians or the vegans show up to your turkey dinner and say, I'm serving turkey and bacon and roast beef and ham and meatballs and you just gotta get over it. It's good protein, eat the meat. The vegetarian is saying, okay, well, I'm not welcome here. We don't do that to a guest. We don't do that to our family. We say, come on in. Let's enjoy this feast. You know, Candace is bringing the roasted Brussels sprouts and Melissa's got the broccoli salad and I'm bringing buns today and we're going to have turkey and stuffing and candied sweet potatoes. Oh, so good. And there's something for everyone. And we sit around that table as a family and we say that, you know what? We're going to grow together. I want to hear your stories. I want to hear your life. I want to I grow in relationship and connection to you, although I don't agree with your, some of your choices. And that is what we're called to do. But like JD said, and I mentioned, you know, verse 2, it says, those who have a sensitive conscience, or verse 5, it says, each of you should be um, uh, convinced in your own mind. And actually, in the further chapters, which I probably, or verses that I probably won't get to, it's so good. It says that you may believe that there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it, for you are not following your convictions. Wow. If you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. It's just so interesting how important it is that we are led by that conscience of the Holy Spirit in our lives to actually lead us and guide us to make decisions that would honor others. It's just realizing that, you know, sometimes what is right for me isn't necessarily right for you. You know, people can argue, you know, 5 a.m. is definitely the most spiritual time to have, you know, your devotional time with God. That's when you're most open and connected. No, 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 it's noon. Noon is when I'm, I'm, I'm fasted for four hours and I just am really hungry and it's the center of my day just like Jesus is the center of my life. And so that it's noon. Noon is the best time. No, 10 p.m. 10 p.m. is the best time to spend time with God because then I'm just saturating myself in his presence before I go to bed at night. You know, it's like just readying myself for this replenishing and refreshing time and God is on my mind. It's like, so which one of those are more holy? God is saying, just spend time with me. That's great. I love you. And I want you to be with me. 
And the Jews of this day, you know, they had rituals and practices that were so deep-seated. It was generational. This was like a lifetime of living these practices. And these new converts to Christianity, these Gentiles, were coming in and they wanted to do their own thing. Or they just didn't know half of it. It was like, what do you mean? I'm not supposed to eat this? I, I don't realize what is happening. And so what, what they had to realize is that, okay, well, maybe God actually has a change in mind. This is a little funny story, but you know, I, I called my um, mom and I asked her, why do I cut the legs off of the turkey before I stick it in the roaster into the oven to cook it? And she's like, hmm, I don't know. My mom did it. So she asked her mom and her mom said, I don't know. That's just what we always did. And so she asked my grandma or her mom, which is my great grandma. And my great grandma said, oh, that's because I never had a roaster that fit. I had to cut the, cut the legs off so that it fit in the oven. That's not a true story, but it's better if it's first person. But I just wonder, what are we so convinced of is the way to do it because it's always been done this way or it should be done this way or she did it that way or he did it that way or my mom did it that way that we maybe just have to say it could be different. I might be wrong. I, I could be open to at least hearing where you're at and where you're coming from because I want to share a family with you. I want to get around a table with you and be able to enjoy a feast and gather under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened with the Jews and the Gentiles. You know, the, the Gentiles, I can understand. It was a little bit more serious than cutting legs off a turkey. It was like, if you want to be part of this church, you got to get circumcised. And they're just like, there has got to be another way. <laughs> and so, you know, you can understand where the pushback came from. And so they started asking questions. Well, maybe if it's circumcision, maybe it's also this eating thing. Do we really have to do this eating thing? Do we really have to do this way you pray, this way you fast, this way, this way, this way, this way, this way? And they came to this realization, you know what? Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. So when he fulfilled the law, that means that now we are right in Christ because of his covering, his shedding of blood. Not that I can boast about what I've done or what I didn't do. It's because of his grace I have been saved and it's through, through faith. Like JD said, it's just believing. It's believing that God is enough to be able to work this out in me and that that is where this salvation comes from this gift of being around this table as a family and you know in this church we gather around the same mission you know we want to become like Jesus we want to be with Jesus and we want to carry on the mission of Jesus and the way we do that is through our diversity unity in the midst of diversity it is togetherness that is bringing about change on the planet you know that's the only way that the church is going to be around for another thousand years and it's the only way that it's been around as long as it has is because people have chosen to say, I will defer and I will agree and I will, I will come beside you even in our differences and we are going to love one another. And what we do affects one another. Do I seriously have 27 seconds? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, God is good. He is so good. And this chapter is so good. 
And I said, I gave you, gave you a, a, a summarization of it. It's so, so good that we would come together and know that Jesus is the one. He is our judge. He, is, he, has, caused, he has told us, you are not meant to be the judge of that person. You are not to, meant to hold a standard to that person because I'm impartial. I've, I've said, you know that Jesus died for the person you disagree with? He has. So therefore, as now part of this family, you know, we just got to get along sometimes and we got to work it through. And as your conscience leads you, yes, you make decisions so that you can be, you can feel right before God. But just remember that the person beside you, your brother, your sister as well, is desiring to seek and follow Jesus in their way as well. Do not tear apart the work of God over what you eat, over what you do and do not agree with. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Great goal. Yes, that's the end. That we would... Uh, decide that we are going to build his church. Our aim is harmony and living together in our differences that we would choose to follow Jesus. So let us as his church surrender our lives to his lordship, to his leading. Let him infiltrate that, that word that's being spoken in your mind, not fear, but just a covering over you that your conscience would be to follow and be led by the Holy Spirit. You know, Romans 3, 22 to 25, and I'm closing with this. Righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, God's people and those who are just coming in the door. No difference. For all have sinned, even playing field. The foot of the cross is level and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Our hearts need to grow for his house, for his people in such a way that we can actually accept the differences that is our brother and is our sister and is seated around the table with us. Wherever they get their protein from, whether it's peas or pork, guys, we just accept them. Yes? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm just going to pray. And we're going to do two prayers because this is just a, well, three prayers. Wow, just this is a holy moment. Because God, God knows that it's his word that needs to go out and not mine. And that you need to receive it from him and his, his speaking to you. So I just pray right now over each one in this room, God. Each one who's online. Each one who says, I am a follower of Jesus. Jesus, we are desperate for you. You are the only one that who can bring peace and reconciliation. Where, where things have been pulled apart, God. Where things have been divided. Where we have allowed the enemy a foothold and a door into our hearts or our minds or our thinking, Jesus where we have been prideful or resistant to forgive our brothers or sisters, help us to love, help us to repent and just turn 
from the ways of living for ourselves or putting our own ideals above yours, Jesus. Help us to just submit to you again. Only you can bring us around the same table. Only you can help us to love one another. We receive the power of your Holy Spirit again to give us that strength we need to do so. Amen. Amen. I hope you receive that. And I am your sister just trying to do the same thing. And we're going to say one final prayer together this morning. And there is a battle for your soul. There's a battle going on that says, no, I want her. No, I want him. And Jesus said, says, no, she's mine. He's mine. And Jesus says, just, just say, I'm your Lord. Just believe me. Just follow me. And we'll do this together. And your brothers and sisters will help you out. That's what we do as a family. So we're just gonna pray this prayer together. You can repeat these words after me. Jesus, thank you for giving me life. I have wanted to live my own way in my own strength. But today, I want you to be Lord of my life. I wanna believe that you have defeated the enemy that wants my soul. I trust you completely. I give you my life for your glory. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.